This is the IVJ Podcast for the week of May 30th, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. For a century, Indiana's identity has been informed by what folks can see from the window of an airplane or from the window of their cars as they zoom by on one of our many interstates. And what they typically see are cars and farms, especially if they snooze through the Indianapolis metro area. How do I know this? I actually have a refrigerator magnet that I picked up on my travels somewhere in the shape of Indiana with the picture of a race car and a picture of a cornfield. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Indiana obviously has become known for automobile innovation, but it's harder to see how agriculture and other food production have evolved past our 20th century understanding of them. The latest edition of IBJ's annual innovation issue dispels that bucolic haze. Indiana has become one of the nation's hubs for plant diagnostics, crop protection, gene editing, biotechnology, food preservation, field management, aerial intelligence, animal health, and sources of renewable energy. The companies and scientists involved in this work have reached the critical mass for creating an ecosystem of innovation, where advancements in one area help drive results in another. Not only is this accumulated expertise good for the state's economy, but it also plays into national security and global stability. What is more in mankind's best interest than the production of healthy food and adequate supplies? Now, for this edition of the podcast, I'm joined by Mitch Frazier, who draws on his considerable professional experience in technology and agriculture as president and CEO of Agrinovis Indiana. It's a statewide organization devoted to fueling growth in the ag bioscience economy. Frazier almost certainly has the most expansive and rounded perspective of agricultural innovation in the state and how Indiana is becoming a major player in vital issues of food security. Here's our conversation. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Mitch Frazier, president and CEO of Agrinovus Indiana. Mitch, thanks for making time today. Yeah, Mason, thanks for having me in. The focus of the latest edition of IBJ's annual innovation issue is agriculture, which, of course, you know because you've written a column for the issue. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Do us a favor real quick, just so we, we have the right context. Give us a very succinct explanation of what Agrinovus does and what your role is. Absolutely. So Agrinovus exists, we're nonprofit, exists entirely to grow Indiana's ag bioscience economy. And I think this is an important piece, Mason, even as we begin to jump into this conversation today. Ag bioscience in Indiana. We typically think of agriculture as the iconic farm field or soybean field we drive down, and that is critical. But there's more to this story than farm fields and feedlots. This story is food, it's animal health and nutrition, it's plant science, crop protection, it's ag tech, it's production agriculture. It's a $58 billion direct economy here in our state. Mitch, you just blew my, <laughs> you just blew the next paragraph that I had planned. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. All right. We know as, as Hoosiers, non-farmer Hoosiers, what's agriculture? Well, it's the rows of corn and soybeans that I see right. from the highway. We know agriculture from the highway, or we know 
uh, food production from, you know, all the helpful signs that are in restaurants now about where my duck came from right. or, or my pork came from. But uh, even though we have this very 20th century view of agriculture, maybe we've seen in commercials, we've seen like, you know, a farmer, uh, we know with a drone that is surveying, you know, crops. And that's, you know, a very new thing. And the, and the farmer smiles and it's like, hey, I get this technology thing. Or let's say like wireless sensors to know how what's happening with the soil. But the reality is that Indiana really is in a position to be one of the leading innovators and proving grounds for agricultural practices that have global implications, right? I mean, including food security That's right. for the planet and even national security. That's exactly right. When you look at the ag bioscience economy, ag bioscience is the only economy in the world that touches every person on this planet. And when you think of that, it's first when, when people hear that, they go, wait, hold on. But when you think of what's, what this economy does, at its core, it's food. So if you think about the innovation that's happening at Corteva around plant science and crop protection, those plants, whether they feed us directly or indirectly through animal feed that we ultimately consume, that's directly tied to food. When we think about what Elanco is doing, you know, Elanco, everything from vaccine innovation to animal health innovation at large, whether we consume the protein produced by those animals or in some cases, maybe poultry, and we consume the eggs, there's a direct connection. We think of uh, innovators like Intellinaire that we've recruited here to Indiana, incredible company focused on crop intelligence, or Tyrannus, uh, the company I think you were kind of referring to as we think of these innovations with drone and using AI and machine learning and all the latest technologies. All of these are directly connected to the food that is on our plate. I think that is a powerful opportunity, a magnet, if you will, to bring people from all across the economy, whether you're in, in tech, my old life, or whether you're in science or in academia, wherever you may be, you are connected to this economy in one way or another. And there is an opportunity here for you, which is such a big opportunity that we take every day to tell people, Mason, if you're an innovator and you want to be a part of this economy, there's a place here for you. And obviously, food scarcity, I mean, is one of the main drivers of human activity on the planet. It always has been. It has. And when you look at the role of food security, we often think of food security as those that don't have enough to eat. And we have done, we Agronovus, in partnership with Elevance Health and many others, really work to advance the technology to improve food security. We can talk about that at some point. But at its most macro level... When you think of food security, food security is a key to national security, is a key to global stability. You, you look at areas that have been impoverished or war-torn or that are still in turmoil, food is typically at its core. There's, uh, you can find many different forecasts on this, but anywhere from three to nine meals away from chaos. The world is, if we miss three to nine meals, again, depending on who you, who you look to, what that number is, but that's powerful. I think for me, if I miss my afternoon snack, <laughs> we're pretty much, it's chaos. It's, uh, it, is, it is an important piece that I think we must realize. And we've seen it. We've seen it in Ukraine and Russia. And we saw the disruption of, of agricultural trade and then all of the anomalies that happen thereafter as trade routes get disrupted. We saw it during the pandemic. My 43 years, soon to be 44 years on this planet, I haven't gone into a grocery store where there weren't there wasn't food on the shelves. And, and we saw that during the pandemic. And so I believe that you know, this notion of food security connected to ag bioscience is one that is 
more acutely aware. People are more acutely aware of it today than they have been historically. But innovation to the core of this issue, innovation is critical as we think about what the next chapter of this is. How do we increase not just security, but how do we increase sustainability? And we can only do both of those things if those who are growing the food, who are manufacturing all the things thereafter, processing, if they can be profitable, because you can't have sustainability without profitability. And I think that's a big piece of this discussion as we think about innovation in ag bioscience. Yeah. And in a, our Indiana, I think, is in a fairly advantageous position um, when you compare it to the rest of the country. I mean, you can argue um, whether or not man-made climate change exists, but you cannot argue that there are whole regions of this country that have different weather than they did 20 years ago. And it is affecting the way, I mean, some of the major food creating sectors of this country are in crisis mode right now. And Indiana, at least at this point, uh, it seems fairly stable. Indiana is in the enviable position in both production agriculture, animal agriculture, all the plant science and crop protection innovation that's behind all of these new ways in which we will combat climate, will we combat the ability to get food to those in need? It's the science and innovation behind it. You look at a company like Inari. Inari is up in West Lafayette. If, if you don't know Inari, I just encourage you to go online and take a look at these guys. So Ponzi Trevisfave is the CEO. I think it was last year. She raised the largest Series C of any female-led ag tech company ever. Okay, spoiler alert. We're going to get to that. Okay. All right. Well, I won't go okay. too far down there. But the idea of this, this notion of how do you use innovation, how do you use science to create resiliency to create resiliency and sustainability. More importantly, resiliency, sustainability, and profitability. We see innovators doing that here in Indiana. So as I said, spoiler alert, in, Indiana does have innovators. We do. <laughs> in, in the ag space. We do. We're going to discuss them. What I will eventually ask you <laughs> is whether it's fair to say Indiana is building an ecosystem, if you will, an ecosystem of innovation in agriculture where the different elements and players are working together to create something bigger. Without than a doubt. some of its parts. Without a doubt. Okay. So let me back up for a second to something that I stopped you from talking about. <laughs> First up, we look, let's look at agriculture just in terms of its importance to the state's economy. Uh, what do we see? What is the total annual economic impact in dollars for Indiana of agriculture? I'm going to give you two answers, Mason, because, you know, I can't just stick with one. So if we look at the direct- You must e be from tech. <laughs> <laughs> if we look at the direct economic output of ag bioscience, so this is, again, food, animal health, plant science, ag tech, and production agriculture. That world in Indiana is about a $58 billion direct economic output. But that it's hard to put your head around and contextually, it's more than 57 and less than 59, right? Like, yeah. What does it really mean? Well, I think when we think about total economic output, and we think about what's the real impact of ag bioscience, we look at direct, indirect, and induced. That's what the economist would say, hey, look, this is kind of the way to take a look at this. That's more than 90 billion. When we calculate that out, it's more than 90 billion. Now, here's where context is powerful. That's more than 20% of Indiana's GDP. I want to go one more step because I think this is really important. When and you don't forget that manufacturing is in there. <laughs> yeah, food, I mean, yeah, the food component is in there. Yeah, right. Clearly the food component is in there. But now is where, okay, so 20% of the state's GDP, but let's talk about people. So if we look at the people behind that economic output, and, and again, I'm doing this from memory, but we're talking roughly 150,000 direct jobs in Indiana. 
uh, that are in the ag bioscience economy. And we can look at what the total, what are those jobs connected to? That's about 320-ish thousand. That's about 10% of Indiana's workforce. So really simply, 10% of the state's workforce driving 20% of the state's GDP. Now, here's a, a stat that I dug up that I found really impressive, uh, which I know uh, you're really up to date on. So four of the top seven Indiana venture capital deals oh, last year. I love this stat. Were for companies working in agriculture or animal science. That's exactly right. So I'm going to introduce them. And then you tell me if you have any thoughts about them. I know you do. So the first one is, as you mentioned, Inari, which is based in West Lafayette. That was the big one. It raised $124 million in venture capital. And they, tell me if this is right, they develop seeds that increase crop yield while also improving the efficiency uh, of the of the plant uh, as far as this use of like water and fertilizer. That's right. So what you can think simply of, and that's how I think about it simply, when you look at a company like Inari, they are using gene editing technology, not gene modification, but gene editing technology to say, how do we improve the performance of this plant? And how do we do that in the most resilient way, in the in the most sustainable way possible? And so everything from, imagine a corn plant that wouldn't have to grow as tall as a normal corn plant would and still have the same yield, what you're, you're using less nutrients potentially to grow that biomass to grow the corn. It's a great example. I think I've heard Ponzi Trevisfave, the CEO there, I think she's described it as this, and I'm not trying to use her words, but it's my memory. You know, if you think about gene modification, which I think people can have a, a, a view of, you know, that's kind of a switch. When we talk about gene editing, it's more of a dial. How do we dial up this? How do we dial down that? And I think that corn plant representation is a good one. Okay. Next up on the list, Brazil-based ag tech company, and you're going to have to help me with this. Selenov Tech. Selenov Tech. Yes. Too many uh, consonants there for me. The U.S. operations are headquartered in Lafayette. Correct. And they make autonomous robots that scan and monitor fields to examine uh, for crop health, for example, or you know threats uh, to the crops. And last year, it raised $60 million, I think, to help uh, build out uh, a digital agricultural platform. Yeah, that's right. So this company really started out in tech, a giant in South America and Brazil specifically, a, a big company there who moved, located an operation here in Indiana for their North American headquarters and really started out with a software platform. I mean, if you look at historically what we've seen here in the States, it's been a orchestration platform to make sure that all of the pieces and parts of that production system are integrated. Lots more complexity, but Cliff Notes version. When you look at this next chapter of growth, what they're really focused on is this new autonomous robot. And this is this is fascinating, Mason. If you think about production agriculture, those fields that we talked about, you have a scientist that works in that field, who scouts that field, who walks up and down the rows and identifies areas of challenge or weakness or areas where focus is needed. What Solenovtech has done is they've said, hey, I think we can create a robot that's almost an autonomous scout where it can go out, it can scout the field, identify issues, and then either treat the issues or send something else to treat the issues. So, you know, I, my simple mind, think of it almost as a canary in the coal mine, right? But it's what, what is happening and how do we identify that target that needs action? Tyrannus, which you also mentioned. Go ahead and explain that because we already referred to it. Yeah. So Tyrannus, just a real quick highlight here. So proud of this company. Uh, they made Indianapolis, actually specifically Westfield, their global headquarters in 2020 after we met with them. And this was back in my Reynolds Farm Equipment days when I 
trade mission with Governor Holcomb, we met with them back in 2018. And to see them locate their operations in Westfield and continue to grow, they raised $40 million in venture capital last year. This is a company who uses artificial intelligence. Now, this is mind-blowing. So imagine whether it's a plane, whether it's a drone, acquiring imagery of a field. So let's talk about corn plants. So identify an area in a field, sub-millimeter precision to identify that's a this kind of bug or that's a this kind of disease or that's a this kind of blight. And based on everything we know using machine learning, right? That's what this is. And then using artificial intelligence to say, based on everything we know about that bug and these kinds of fields, here's where it'll be tomorrow. Here's where it could be next week. And okay. it's then it's a go, no-go decision okay, on what it. do you actually go take action on. Okay, here's the first thing I've ever understood about AI. I think I get it. So it, it looks at the, I mean, think about an image as a data. That's right. It looks at the data itself. So this isn't like, you know, a spy plane flying over Cuba that takes a giant picture and then the farmer has to look at it and go, Correct. oh, that's fungus. That's it right. Is it's discovering that all for itself. And then it is creating you know, predictions. That's right. A predictive set of data. So like, here's what you need to be doing tomorrow. That's right. Based on what we saw in this image, we think it's this. And if it is this, then here's where it could be. Here's what the next step of that thing is. That's the that's a beauty of artificial intelligence, machine learning coming together to really improve productivity in ag. And our fourth one uh, is really interesting, and I may mispronounce this. Is it Biomedit? Biomedit. There you go. Now, that's a spinoff of Alanco, which is a, an important company we'll talk about more in a second. Yes. Alanco makes health products for pets and uh, for animals, uh, farm animals. Excuse right. Me. Biomedit is based in Fishers. It focuses on the rapidly growing field of microbiomes. Yes. Uh, which studies bacteria and viruses and fungi that live inside of animals. And they do that uh, to help create new products and medicines. And they received also $40 million last year. This is an incredible company. So this is a technology, as you mentioned, that spun out of a Lanco. And actually the leader, the CEO of Biomedit is Aaron Schott. He used to lead R&D at a Lanco. This guy is brilliant. I mean, he is an amazing leader and the science behind this company is extraordinary. So think about how we consume food. We as people consume food and you know, food that you eat and food that I eat may metabolize different. We may have different reactions to it. And, and some of that could potentially be part of the, the microbiome in our gut and how we metabolize that food. Now think about that in terms of animals and the role that animals play in the global food system. Well, that's what Aaron's tackling is, is how do we, Aaron and his team, how do, we, how do we understand that? How do we get a real solid handle on that? And then how do we harness the power of that to improve health, to improve welfare, to in, improve productivity? It is extraordinary science. Aaron's doing some amazing work. So Agrinovis, you know, as you do, as you know, many of these uh, you know, organizations that champion the work of different Indiana industries do, you study the industry. We do. You've looked at the different agricultural sectors uh, where you're seeing a lot of innovation, and you recently had a report about them. We'll talk about that. And you broke them down into four or five different uh, sectors, right. if, if you will. Uh, I'm going to name them here real quick. Uh, just give me an idea of what they mean. Sure. One of them, value-added food and nutrition. Think of this as anything from the farm gate to the dinner plate. Really simple. So it's not a commodity. Something is happening with that. Could be ingredient manufacturing, could be food manufacturing, could be some innovation of a food product from when it leaves the farm to when it gets to your plate. Plant science and crop protection. This sector, plant science and crop protection, is all about how do we innovate at the genetic level of that seed 
How do we optimize that seed for performance? And then how do we care for that seed once it emerges, becomes a plant, and ultimately gets harvested as a crop? So all the things that go into that from the science and the seed to the science and how we care for that crop, that's plant science and crop protection. This might be self-explanatory. Agricultural equipment, technologies, and systems. Yeah, so I can never remember all those words, so I just call it ag tech. <laughs> that that is, is really the intersection of hardware and software to improve productivity of the production system. And so you know, there are a number of companies here, but that really is, you can think about it as everything from software to new equipment. Animal health and nutrition. Animal health and nutrition. Everything vaccine to feed. So how do we care for that animal? How do we... How do we create the medicines and all the therapeutics that really ensure the health and welfare of that animal? And then how do we optimize the feed? And how do we optimize that for them to ultimately, those animals to ultimately be productive? So let's dip into some specific let's examples do it. real quick. Uh, so for value-added food and nutrition, one of the uh, companies that we're looking at in our issue is True Essence Foods. Oh, amazing. Tell me about them. Yeah, so True Essence Foods, this is an amazing company who has identified sort of flavor optimization using science and, and specifically science around pressure. And so what I love about the work that this company specifically is doing is it's applicable to, you know, really anything that's fermented, I, I think is, is how they would position it. But then it's, okay, so what's fermented in our world? Well, coffee, mustard, wine, vinegar, right? P pick your favorite input of a food and they're able to enhance the the profile of that to actually improve food quality now here's here's what is amazing about this story uh matt the ceo matt rubin you know he founded this company really out of this idea i believe his wife was she had some allergic reaction to chocolate and mm. so mm. using the power of science behind matt the guy is brilliant was able to say, boy, I think we can do this. I mean, here is, you know, the greatest innovation begins with what problem are you trying to solve? Matt had a problem he was solving for his wife. That problem has ultimately become the cornerstone, sort of the jumping off point to True Essence Foods. And they are doing amazing work with application potential across the food system. Here's what I thought was interesting about this. So the, they got their starts, as you referred to, making artisanal chocolate. Yeah. I, I don't know it was because of, of an allergy problem, but that totally makes sense. Uh, and so they had a, some kind of dehydration technology that they would use uh, for the chocolate products. And they're using that now to prolong the shelf life of fruits, vegetables, juices, and spices. And what's interesting is it costs less to dehydrate, say, a strawberry than it does to freeze it for transportation. So the mode of transportation to market now doesn't require refrigeration and it's cheaper and same goes for storage. Now, that has to have implications for the global food supply chain. Without a doubt. And I think Matt would tell you that strawberry will taste like a strawberry. It's not like the dehydration that we think about, you know, on a camping trip. Oh, yeah. It's not like apple chips. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Okay. Plant science and crop protection, obviously, uh, you know, the 400-pound I don't know how to assign a pound to this guy. Maybe 800-pound gorilla is Corteva, yes. which makes agricultural seeds, insecticides, and herbicides. Uh, it's one of the largest public companies in the state in terms of revenue. Uh, its focus is improving profitability and sustainability of agricultural production. Uh, and according to your report, it was far and away Indiana's most active generator of agri-science-related patents between 2018 and 2021, 450 
It's incredible. 450 patents. That's one like every three days. It is incredible. I mean, Mason, when you look at Corteva, and I, I want to double click on this because that report, it, the data snapshot end is 1231-21. Well, just two months later in February of 22, Corteva named Indianapolis its global headquarters. So now begin to think about what this next report three years from now will say about what these folks are doing. I mean, this is amazing. They're the third largest publicly held company in Indiana if you look at market cap. So the value of the company, Eli Lilly is number one, Elevance Health is number two. And, and today as we sit here, Corteva is number three. It's I mean, this market is cap. market cap. Wow, I didn't know that. They are an amazing company. And a lot of folks don't know the Corteva brand, but they may know Pioneer Seeds. If you think back to that example we had of driving through the countryside and you see a Pioneer sign, Pioneer is Corteva. And, and this is an amazing company, global presence, largest pure play ag company publicly held in the world. Amazing work. Animal health and nutrition, we've mentioned them before. Alanco Animal Health, second largest animal health company in the world, currently based in Greenfield, uh, eventually will be coming downtown. Uh, and it makes health products for both farm animals and pets. The research and development headquarters is in Greenfield. It also has research and development sites in Iowa, as well as several other countries. Uh, again, according to your report, the, uh, the number of patents uh, between 2018 and 2021 uh, there were six best on the list, 18 patents. It is incredible. Uh, another example of bold leadership. Jeff Simmons, the CEO of Alanco, he, and I want to make sure we're clear, they're the second largest independent animal health company in the world. I got to make sure I get that in there. But they are, they're amazing in what they're doing. You know, they are taking care of everything from companion animals, things of cats and dogs, to farm animals, those animals that ultimately provide the protein that feeds the world. And it's innovations across the spectrum. And these folks are doing really critical work in not just caring for the animals, but how do you how do you really care for the health of that animal, but ultimately how do you improve the sustainability of that system? And I am just a, a giant fan of what Jeff and the team have done. Their move downtown, Mason, of of taking the GM stamping plant, reverting the GR, turn, transforming the GM stamping plant into the new Elanco Global Headquarters. Jeff has a big vision about making Indiana, Indianapolis specific, the global epicenter of animal health innovation. And I tell you what, he's got a partner in me to go see if we can get that done. I'm going to mention this because uh, my son is seven years old and loves fart jokes. Uh, Elanco sees big promise in the challenge of methane emissions, specifically from cows, methane cow, which is a big contributor to climate change. And so it is expecting to receive regulatory approval next year for, I'm going to rely on you on this one, is it Bovair? That's right. Bovair, uh, which I'm guessing is like Bino for cows, uh, a product to reduce methane emissions in cows. Yeah, this is a big move. Uh, I believe the alliance or uh, intention for the alliance was announced, was it last year? Uh, last year, I, I believe. And so they're going through the process. Uh, again, this is, you know, the best innovation begins with what problem are you trying to solve? And Jeff has done a really good job of saying, where can we add value? And how do we innovate at the point where we can ultimately drive performance, but we can ultimately drive profitability for those producers. He has another piece in this that I want to hit as we think about the role of animals in innovation in climate and in sustainability. Athian, the startup that they launched with uh, with High Alpha, oh, an amazing story of carbon markets for the cattle market. 
really, really cool innovator. Paul Meyer is a CEO there and just doing some amazing work. Now, the fourth category was agricultural equipment, technologies, and systems. I don't have an entry for this because I know that you do. Yeah, there are a number. I mean, we've talked about Intellinair. Uh, we've talked about Tyrannus. You know, there's a company here in Indianapolis called Smart Apply, uh, doing really amazing work around sprayer technology. A company up in northern Indiana, a, a fantastic story of Steuben County called uh, Traction Ag. Traction, think of them as the QuickBooks for, for farmers. Uh, so across the spectrum, I think that's the beauty of this subsector. One of the fastest growing, by the way, in Indiana's ag bioscience economy is it's it really is everything from software to hardware. And if you look at something like Traction to Intellinair to Tyrannus to Smart Apply, I think it's a really good representation of the portfolio. Okay, let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm, with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with the latest edition of the IBJ podcast and my conversation with Mitch Frazier about agricultural innovation in Indiana. We would be uh, remiss if we did not talk about Purdue University. Absolutely. uh, And their role in Indiana's agriculture innovation system. Uh, I'm going to hit four areas here real quick where uh, Purdue is driving agricultural innovation or ways that it is. And I'm sure you're familiar with them. Uh, One of the things it does is encouraging more entrepreneurial activity. For example, in 2016, university launched Purdue Ventures, a $20 million venture arm that supports early stage tech and startup companies. The Ag Accelerator (laughs) is one of the four funds that make up Purdue Ventures. That has a $2 million innovation fund for startups in ag-related technologies. And Every semester, faculty, students, and alumni can compete for $100,000 to fund their ideas in any agricultural field. Anything else occur to you? Yeah, I think when you look at Purdue, specifically as it relates to Accelerator and Purdue Ventures, Purdue is the number one producer, I believe, of ag and biological engineers in the country. I think that's both at the undergrad and master's level. You know, Purdue is a land-grant institution. Its heritage its lineage is in agriculture and agricultural innovation. And to see Purdue under former President Mitch Daniels and now Meng Cheng, President Meng Cheng, continue to put focus on this, continue to be a place where back to idea and innovation, right? How do we solve real big problems? You have amazing resources at Purdue, people who are researching the future, identifying what could be in the future. And now Purdue has put this infrastructure around it to take those ideas, turn them into action. In some cases, that action become new companies. Researching carbohydrates uh, is the base for the Whistler Center for Carbohydrate Research. And scientists look at the composition of foods and how carbohydrates react with the human body, as well as how prebiotics and probiotics work with the body. Dr. Shanai Simsek leads the food science department at Purdue. Shanai is, is brilliant. The Whistler Center is incredible. And you, if you think about sort of the, the core components to energy, carbohydrates are at its core. And if you look at the staples that, that we often rely on for energy, carbohydrates are a piece of it. 
to have the Whistler Center, to be a place where the very fundamentals of energy in the human body and food are there and thinking about the future, trying to develop the future. It's an amazing asset for Indiana. Phenotyping. Purdue is the home of the Ag Alumni Seed Phenotyping Facility, which looks into applications for facilitating plant growth and crop breeding. This also includes uh, ways to detect plant disease, which That's is right. I mean, which is becoming a big theme in this conversation is how do you avoid disease? Well, and you might not be able to avoid it, but certainly how do you react to it and how do you manage it? What I love about this, I mean, this center is amazing, Mason. So imagine, imagine a giant room with a kind of a conveyor belt on it and these different chambers where you can simulate different climates, different environments in which those plants are growing, and then the ability to look at the root structure without having to actually pull the plant. So using, I believe it's a CAT scan. I'm sure there's folks from Purdue that will tell me it's something different. I apologize if it is, but being able to see the roots without having to be destructive of that plant, that's extraordinary. I mean, today, if, if you were to walk through a field, the only way to look at that root structure and what's actually happening in it is a shovel. And to be able to do that now in a, an environment like this and control the environment and then innovate with that data, oh, it's extraordinary. Fourth one, Plant Sciences 2.0. And this is a, is a reference that people will not get to Plant Sciences 1.0. Uh, but this is a new initiative to attract scientists and economists in the field to Purdue's College of Agriculture. So the original version, Plant Sciences 1.0, generated tens of millions of dollars in grants and gifts since 2014, including $162 million in total research awards and $14.6 million in direct gifts to plant science initiatives. I assume that's a good way to get people to come to your organization or come to university if you've got money to fund their research. Momentum matters and leadership matters. And when you look at plant science innovation, Purdue is on at the top. And, and I think the it's not just plant science. Plant science is a critical discipline as we think about how do we continue to improve sustainability, improve profitability, have a globally secure and resilient food supply system. But it's also what else it's connected to. You mentioned e economics. You know, Jason Lusk leads the ag econ department at Purdue. Dr. Jason Lusk is world renowned for his ability, for his insights on ag economies, on the food economy. It's, it's all of these pieces and parts. We talked about Dr. Shania Simsek, who leads the food science department. It's all of these pieces coming together in a place that creates a magnet, a magnet for innovators, a magnet for funders, and a magnet for how do we shape the future of this thing that is critical to every person on this planet. So we have gone through a laundry list of companies. We've gone through what Purdue is doing. Very impressive. We've got yes. so far. We've talked about a lot of individual things. How do we get these things working together to create what you would consider to be an ecosystem? Uh, I mean, a, just a, a much bigger system where everything is working—not everything, but everything—is working together to uh, you know enhance the state standing in, in this sector. We're not as good as we will be tomorrow. We're better today than we were yesterday, and. That's not just me saying that, there's data behind it. If we look at the study that we talked about at the beginning of this, and we said 58 billion in direct economic output of the ag bioscience economy. If we look back three years ago, when that three years prior, so in 2018 data, in the last report, it was 52 billion. So in, in a matter of 36 months, this economy grew $6 billion. So momentum is on our side. In that period of time and shortly thereafter, we saw two global headquarters 
and ag bioscience companies, Corteva and Alanco that we mentioned, locating here. We've seen Purdue to continue to make moves. We've seen connections with IU and others across the state. We are doing more today at the intersection of animals and plants and people and ag tech and food than I think we ever have. But it's because we have to. I mean, I, I keep going back to this idea that look, this isn't just innovation for innovation's sake. And boy, wouldn't it be neat if we could have an exit of a company or wouldn't it be great if we could have this next blockbuster and we have the next unicorn? That'd be awesome. But the reality is the innovation here is critical to life. Hard stop. I mean, the innovation here is critical that we innovate in each of those five key areas to ensure that we build a globally sustainable, resilient food system, plants, animals, people, food, production, agriculture, all of those pieces need to be a part of this. And Indiana is a place where that can happen. And it's not just ag bioscience. I think this is a piece too, as we think about what's this ecosystem look like. And we've talked about ag bioscience and what's here, but we'd be remiss if we didn't say what actually happens to this food when it gets to people. Well, we just heard recently, Eli Lilly is now the most valuable healthcare company, pharmaceutical company, I believe, right. in, in the world. Yeah, market cap. Yeah. Mark, by market mm -hmm. cap. Well, we also have the nation's largest medical school here with IU Medical School. And so you, you begin to, to look at where all of these pieces come together. Well, if we have if we have innovators in plant science, and those plants ultimately can feed people or can feed animals, we have a leader in animal health that can do the same thing. We have a leader in human health, and we have a medical school who can continue to innovate at the intersectionality of all that. And we have Purdue University on one side, we have Indiana University on the other. I don't believe there's another metro, not just in this country, but in this world that has the assets that we have here in Indiana. We, uh, we mentioned before that in those four sectors uh, that, that your, your company, not your company, but Ag Agronovus had highlighted. Is it unusual to have a state that is strong in all four of those sectors? I think we see we're, we're globally competitive. We're nationally competitive. Many metros, many regions, many states would position that they have assets in each of those. And I think that's probably fair. I would say that we have more because that's what I do. And that's what you would <laughs> expect me to say. But I think it, it is the intersectionality of those with our strength in human health that I mentioned. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say our strength in tech as well. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I wanted to ask you about that because you, you made a reference to this a little bit earlier yeah. about, about uh, what we call SaaS. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So software as a service. It's If you look at its core, and we didn't call it this back when I was at Exact Target. We didn't call it AI. We didn't call it machine learning. But I want to walk down a path here, and I think this will be helpful. If you look at Exact Target, you look at interactive intelligence, now, now Genesis, you look at Angie's List. Uh, you look at a primo, pick, pick your favorite blockbuster that we saw moves on last decade or the last couple decades. You know, what they all did was they take, took massive amounts of data and informed the next best action or the next best step. So in Genesis or interactive intelligence, right? How do we, how do we use everything we know and get the person to the right person, the call center at exact target? How do we use everything, what we know about this person with the profile we've built to give them a right offer or give them the right connection? That that's AI and ML. We didn't call it that then. So if you look at the base of talent that's here in Indiana, with com combine that with what we saw in ag bioscience, combine that with what we see in human health, Mason, who who else? I mean, truly, what other metro, not just in America but in the world, has that bastion of talent, the bastion of domain expertise, united by a reality that this matters? 
This is food. This is something we all have a deep, deep relationship with, ideally, three times a day. And it's critical to the future of the world. So would you anticipate over the course of maybe the next 10 years that there would be even a, a more comprehensive and deeper overlay of the AI that you're talking about, of the software as a service companies and expertise on agriculture? Well, we're seeing it. I and mean, we're seeing connections already beginning and we're seeing products come out the other end. I, I mentioned earlier, High Alpha Innovation working with Alanco on Athian. That's a great example of High Alpha Innovation, you know, High Alpha, the, the parent, High Alpha, funded and founded in large part by many of the former exact target leaders, deep expertise in SaaS, who are now working with big companies through High Alpha Innovation, one of those big companies, Alanco, creating really interesting ag tech companies. And so I do think we're going to see more of that. Uh, Jeff Simmons at Alanco, Elliot Parker at High Alpha Innovation, pioneers in making that possible. And I think we'll continue to see more of that in the future. Well, uh, this calls for another podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> and, uh, you set the time. When should we be next? Uh, I Look, uh, every every Monday morning, our podcast is out. So why don't you come on mine one day? And we'll just keep coming back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> and I can talk about something I have no expertise in. That's exactly what you need in your podcast. I appreciate you coming on to mine. Oh, my gosh. Thank you That's so much, great. Mason. This is great. My thanks again to Mitch Frazier. You can learn more about many of the companies and issues that we just discussed in IBJ's latest innovation issue and online at ibj.com. I will say it is easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. And you may not know that we have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories columns, and podcasts from our sister publication, Inside Indiana Business. And that works out to about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You won't find Indiana's story told with this kind of depth and breadth anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.